0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Join more of the things you love with TCL.
1: It's the Score North Twin Show. And welcome into uh, Talking Twins, a, a production of Mackie and Judd. We're going to be talking twins on our show on a daily basis. We'll probably talk more twins baseball than anyone else in the market. But also on Mondays, we're going to bring in our friend uh, Jake Depew for Talking Twins, an expanded version each and every week, touching on the good and the bad of this baseball team. And, uh, Jake, how excited are you that baseball season starts on Thursday? As of now, we're slated to play at 162, and the Twins have another chance to end their 18-game postseason losing streak.
0: I am. I'm excited. Uh, I, I'm Like you said, I'm excited for 162. Last season – um, it's not what baseball is, is all about for me, which is the marathon, you know, like it was, it was nice that we had it, obviously it was better than nothing, but, uh, baseball for me is all about 162 and, and just, uh, letting the story unfold over six months. Um, and, and obviously having fans back is going to be great. Uh, so I, I'm excited. I, 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 hope that they get through without, you know, any major COVID issues, of course. And, um, this could be the last season that we have baseball for a couple of years, <laughs>
1: I didn't, so, want to say, I didn't want to say that part, but you're absolutely correct.
0: Yeah, well, I guess what I would say is enjoy this season because we don't know we don't know what's coming after that. But, yeah, it's
1: exciting. I'm ready to go. Foreboding stuff. So let's get to the good stuff. Let's start with this, a, a game that we played quite a bit actually during Viking season going into games. It's called Confidence, Concern, and Curiosity. But in, instead of this being for one football game, it's going to be for the Twins' 162-game season. We will each um, go with a confidence – Follow that up with each, giving you a concern and then a curiosity about the 2021 Twins. And Jake, I want to start with you. And I want to start with a rarity for me, a confidence, not the concern, not the curiosity. What are you most confident in when it comes to um, the Twins in 2021 in their quest for a third consecutive division title?
0: I'm most confident in their starting rotation being really good. Uh, and that's something that we haven't been able to say much you know in the in the past uh the, you know the their top 2 of Maeda and, and Barrios I think can stack up with with anyone in the division certainly uh, but they have a lot of depth you know uh Paneda and uh Shoemaker and then obviously Um, you know, Hap, but Dobnik uh, who just got the extension, you know, he's, uh, he's not even in the rotation. And to me, he would be a a number four or five for, for almost any team in the league. So, and, and obviously with the injury issues that uh, Shoemaker and others have had in the past, he'll, he'll start a lot of games, but, I think that rotation is going to be really good. And Maeda, we might not think of him as an ace, but he finished, what, third in the Cy Young last year? I mean, To Bieber, second. Yeah, second, second. Okay, so, I mean, you know, based on his performance last year, at least, he's an ace. So um, I'm pretty confident that they're going to have really good starting pitching this year.
1: And so two years after they hit, what, big league record, 307 home runs, I'm with you. And And my confidence goes to one guy, and you just brought him up. Maeda is, as far as I can tell, the real deal here. The Gratterall trade looks fantastic. I mean, and and Dar for the Dodgers might be great. I don't know, okay? But what I love is Maeda stepped in, and granted it was the shortened season last year, but he goes 6-1, and 2.7 ERA in 11 starts, pitched well in that playoff game. And here's what I, I really like, Jake. In my opinion, Maeda, who I think is a pretty calm cool and collected pitcher and I do believe that the Dodgers had such an embarrassment of riches that he really didn't get the full-time chance there I I don't think he screwed up there I, I just think that they have so many options that he got shoveled or shuffled to the bullpen in the playoffs but what I love about this too and this goes to your point about depth is this allows Barrios to slot in beautifully at the two And so, like, we can be done with all of this. Is he going to be an ace? Is he finally going to step up? Brios is still young, so that option exists there. But I feel like we've been banging the drum on this for so long, Jake, that, you know, the last three years it's basically been, Brios is starting opening day, and does he take the step? And at every turn, he looks like he's going to at times, and then there is a regression at some point. Well, he can have that now. And it's not the end of the world because he's not your, he's not your ace. He's just a very solid pitcher. And he's in my opinion, the second guy who slots in. So Maeda to me is so important because it sort of allows guys in the rotation to fall where they should fall. And I don't think that the spotlight for Kenta is going to be too big. So they finally put themselves in a position where I think a lot of this rotation, and especially the top three Maeda, and then Brios and then Pineda, if they're healthy, it actually makes sense. And I don't think you're asking anybody then in that rotation to do too much.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And and I, I think Burrios is a guy that um, cares a lot. And I think sometimes maybe – it's never a flaw to care too much, but I think sometimes maybe the pressure of being that, that ace or, you know, the, the number one guy uh, maybe, maybe has gotten to him a little bit. And, and now he, he doesn't have that. And, you know, he, he we saw in the playoffs last year before he unfortunately got pulled um, w- way too early, in my opinion, uh, he was pitching fantastic, you know, and, and I, I who knows if that's because he was number two as opposed to the game one starter, probably not, but like it, it was clear that he had now taken that next step and, and the, the pressure of the moment wasn't too big in that game. You know, uh, he right. pitched, he pitched fantastic in that game. And um, I, I expect a big year out of him. And, and we say that every year, you know, so who knows, but um, I, I do think having Maeda there is really going to help him to your point.
1: Rocco, if you get to the playoffs, leave guys in. It's okay. It's the playoffs. There's no tomorrow. Orioles didn't have another game in five days. Leave your pitchers in. I like your bullpen too. It's fine. But my God, I, I am still reeling from the fact <laughs> that in games one and two, both those guys got pulled. All right. Yeah. Second thing, your biggest concern as we start the season on Thursday in Milwaukee for the Twins.
0: I guess the bullpen, uh, they lost a lot of arms from that bullpen, um, you know, and, and, and Colame is a very good reliever. I also think he's due for some regression. I mean, he had an ERA under one last year. That's, that's not going to happen. He doesn't strike out a lot of guys. Um, I think he's a, a nice weapon, but I just, I, I don't see him as that lockdown guy. Um, and, and Hansel Robles, uh, you know, who knows what they're going to get out of him Duffy's Velo has been down in spring. Hopefully that's just him kind of ramping up, but if his, he, I mean, he's one of the best relievers in the league in my view it has been the last couple of years. Um, it, and they need him, they need him to be that guy, whether it's, it doesn't, you know, whether it's the seventh, eighth, or ninth, they need him to, to be that lockdown guy, the way he has been. Uh, so hopefully, you know, his VLA VLO will, will get amped back up, but um, you know, there, there, are some guys at the back end where, um, you know, they're, they're bringing in some non-roster guys. Uh, maybe they'll work out like Matt Wessler did last year, but I do think there's a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, we as much as Trevor May sometimes, um, uh, you know, we, sometimes maybe gave up some big home runs and things like that, he was a very good reliever uh, and got a big deal from the Mets. You know, it shows what, what the league thought of him. And I think losing him is, is, is big. Um, and there's no guarantee that, you know, I, I don't understand why they didn't sign Matt Whistler. He, they could have gotten him for, for pretty cheap. They let him go. I know they're they're gonna try to make um who is it? Uh maybe Brandon uh Brandon Waddell, uh, you know, kind of the next yeah. Whistler, left-handed yeah. Whistler, you know, throwing a ton of sliders. There's no guarantee that'll work out as well as it did for Whistler. So um I, I think there are a lot of question marks. It could it, it's like it's like the bullpen every year, right? And like it could end up going well, uh but But there are concerns that, you know, and Taylor rogers is it going to be the 2020 Taylor Rogers or the 2019 Taylor Rodgers? That will make a big difference.
1: So best guess right now, end of the season, who leads this team in saves? Because as much as the Twins say, we don't have a – I saw the quotes again today. We don't have a closer. We don't have a closer. Well, somebody's going to have to close at times. Who who do you think is going to end up with the uh, saves lead for this club?
0: I mean it's a three way race I would guess between mm-hmm. columte rogers and uh and Duffy, but if I have to pick one i'll say I'll say rogers because um, okay. I, I, I do think back,
1: you think I, I
0: think so because his velo wasn't down last year I, I, he was getting hit harder for sure, and his location was not where it was um but I, I do think he did get a little bit of bad luck as well um and it, it's hard to judge guys on a sixty game season like that so i I, I think he bounces back i I think he'll end up being the top guy.
1: That's exactly right, though. Too that—that's the one thing that, as much as we all tried to justify that, and hey, look, it's great that they played World Series, the playoffs. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think that you can fairly judge much at all. Like going from to me, it's more of a trying to judge 2019 into 21, Jake, than 20 into 21. Because, I mean, 60 games in baseball is nothing. Like in hockey or basketball, that's fine. But in baseball, to actually sit there and judge things is really, really tough. So I don't take a lot of what I saw from 2020 as gospel. If it was a reoccurring theme, I do. But like you're saying here, in Rodgers' case, I don't take the whole thing and say, oh, man, he went in the uh, in the dumpster there. I'm very curious to see how how he responds, and I think he might be fine. And something else, too, with him, he's a really cerebral dude. Like, he's Mm -hmm. a thinker. He is a big-time thinker. And I think those guys, at some point in time last year, were bothered because the thing was just so odd, right? Like, the whole year was odd.
0: And he was the player rep. Yeah, and and exactly.
1: and, And in that year, in particular, being the player
0: rep, is a big deal. You know, there's a lot of stuff that he had to work out. Uh, and he talked about that. There, he, You know, there was an article about about that. Uh, I can't remember what publication, but uh, where he basically talked about how it was wearing on him. And it was a grind, you know, because you're, you're dealing with bubbles and all sorts of COVID related issues that you would never normally have to deal with. And it was his first year as a player rep. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that all affected him.
1: My concern is this, and this, and what I'm about to say is is uh, hashtag small sample size. It's spring training, hmm. but it's off the charts bad. Okay, Jake, Max Kepler, who did not have a hit for the entire month of March until Saturday against the Rays, he was O for 32. Now I'm going to combine that a little bit with last year. Not totally fair. Two twenty eight, nine home runs, forty eight games after in 2019 252 more impressively 36 home runs um i guess my question is this who is the real kepler and and is it somewhere in between the guy that we saw in 2019 and the guy that we saw in 2020 now into spring training i mean over 32 is impressively bad i mean he is he has looked like a good player um Where I find this a concern, but an interesting one is there are potentially options here, too. Like, if Max Kepler stinks, you're not completely stuck there. But it's a definite concern because I don't think we have an answer of who is the real Max Kepler at this point. And keep in mind, too, there's no question the ball is going to be dead more. So those 36 home runs, in a best case, might translate to, let's say, 26 to 30 tops. but. It's a concern, and it's a concern that I find intriguing, Jake, because it does have a fix because there are players who could take his place if he struggles or at least falls into a role where you don't find it palatable to play him on an everyday basis.
0: Yeah, it seems – I haven't watched a ton of spring tricks, but from what I've seen, it seems like he's rolling over to second a lot. Um, but, again, this gets into the, the conversation of small sample size and, like, should we take spring seriously? Um, and and you know we should bring come come back to that when we get to Alex Kirilov because I definitely want to talk about that. But um, yeah, I mean I mean with Kepler, like he's had one amazing year in 2019 when uh, almost everybody in that lineup had a career year or what seems like is going to be a career year when it's all said and done. Uh, and other than that, he's been a solid but you know not spectacular starter. You know with a, 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 a you know an a OPS around you know, in the 750 to 800 range, um, which for a corner outfielder is okay, but not, not great. And you know, this, the ceiling is so high for him, uh, but he's entering his age, what, 27, 28 season now. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's time, you know, he, he needs to, he needs to show uh, that, that he's the player that the twins thought he was when they signed him to that extension. I mean, it was a team friendly extension, but still, I mean, they committed to him for a lot of years. Um, And, and yeah, it's a concern. I, I just the whole spring training thing, like you can, the thing with spring training stats is you can use it to fit any narrative you want. Like you can say, "Oh, he's a veteran player; he's just working on things." It doesn't matter, or you can say, uh, "You know, he had a bad spring, so we're gonna, for example, send him down," uh, like Alex Kirilov. So, like, I, I don't, I don't personally think you should put that much weight into spring training. But I will say, oh, for thirty-two or whatever um, it was, like that—that <laughs> yes. that is uh, that's pushing it. That's that's, impre- that's impressively bad yeah yeah but let, let let's give let's give him let's give him a month or two uh uh before we start panicking about kepler curiosity what's your greatest curiosity about these twins I guess my greatest curiosity i guess i I'll combine this with excitement but my greatest curiosity is just how great is Andrel, Andrelton Simmons because I love watching him but i i've Watched him so rarely because he plays on the West Coast and he plays for a team that's not competitive. But whenever I watch him, I'm just like, oh my God, his defense is so spectacular. Like it's another level. Um, and so I'm just curious to to see all those little plays that he makes, you know, that that don't necessarily show up on highlight reels, but just really smart little defensive plays. I'm curious just how good he really is. Cause I mean, I know he's elite, but I just can't wait to watch him. Like that's to me the, the beauty of baseball. Is is watching guys defensively every day because you pick up on little things, little nuances that you don't see if you're just watching highlights or, or recaps. Um, and, and I was watching the game the other day at uh, they were playing the Red Sox at they have the like mini monster or whatever they call it. Um, and uh, it was that it was that home run that Dominic gave up gave up, and the ball it was like a moonshot, right? And sit, so Arise is just standing there watching it. All the infielders are standing there watching it. Simmons. Is sprinting out into the outfield to try to feel the potential carom off the monster. And I just thought, like, man, that is something that so few infielders would have the the wherewithal to do. You know, like he's trying to make a play on that ball from the infield. And those are the little things that Simmons does that makes him so elite. And I can't wait to watch that every day.
1: Do you, do you think that what finally drove them to, to this, and by the way, if, if he can play on a daily basis, it's going to be fantastic. You're absolutely right. Do you think what finally drove them to this? Was Polanco's misplay against the Astros in the playoff game? I mean, two years ago, these guys had Sano and Polanco on the left side of the infield and were asked continually about defense and basically said, ah, no, no, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. If they're healthy now, and I love this, the left side of your infield, Donaldson, And Simmons, who are going to be, you know, vacuum cleaners, absolute vacuum cleaners. And I just wonder what got the Twins finally to the point of saying, you know what, that defense is pretty damn important, as opposed to the, in my opinion, laissez-faire attitude that they really took two years ago to, "Ah, that's a mistake, it's a mistake.
0: I mean, I think the Polanco play was a, a culmination of a couple of years of pretty mediocre defense at short. You know, I mean, he's he's a great hitter. Uh, he's he was the team MVP, in my opinion, in 2019. Um, just had an amazing year started in the all star game at shortstop. But, yeah, I mean, he was subpar, I think, defensively. Um and, you know, would they still have made the move even if he had made that throw cleanly? I think that probably would have, you know, if you have a chance to get a guy like Simmons uh, and move Blanco over to second where he should be above average instead of below average, you do it. But, um, yeah, I mean, that it, it summed up sort of, that, like you said, they're kind of maybe laissez-faire attitudes about about defense. And uh, that was just a, a brutal play. And obviously it, it cost them the game to a large extent. But the, the thing with that left side, Simmons has had injury issues. Oh, and, yeah. and, and uh, I guess another curiosity that I have is just how many games is Donaldson actually going to be able to play? Uh, I think it's a major question mark going into 2021.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So here's mine. And it goes to a player that you brought up earlier in Talking Twins, Alex Kirloff. And my curiosity is how long do they keep up the charade of rotation in left field? Because nobody won that job. When you tell me, that your options are Rooker, who had a good spring, and I like him, okay? And if he won the job fair and square, opening day, left fielder, and he's going to play there for, you know, a month or two months or something, I say, okay, cool. But the reality is Rooker, Garlic is still there, right? They've talked about Cave. They've talked about Arise. In other words, it is a rotation, and in Rocco speak, un- unless – He knows, and just is not telling, which is possible, we are going to see a rotation of players. So my curiosity is, how long are you going to leave Kirilov down? And the other problem here, the problem is this, Jake. So Kirilov didn't play a game last year until he got in for game two of the playoffs because there was no minor league season. The Saints AAA season now doesn't start till May 4th. And so he's going to stay back and, I guess, work in simulated games and things. But those aren't real games. So since nobody officially won this job and you're going to have this massive audition rotation in left field, my curiosity is how long are we going to do this until you plug in the guy that you clearly want to play left? Is it going to be a month? Is it going to be two? Are you going to allow him to get at bats in St. Paul? Ah, uh, because I'm just—I'm not buying this whole thing about we got all these options and left. It's like a quarterback in football. If you got options, you don't have a starter.
2: I
0: think it'll—I think they'll wait until however many days it is <laughs> until they can call them up, where they get an extra year of control. Uh, maybe they'll hold him down a few more days just to to for the PR. Um, but I don't know. Other—I know other people disagree with me. I think that was. Service time manipulation. I think it's. I think it checks off all the boxes. You know, you've got a top prospect uh, who you envision being a part of your franchise for a long time. Uh, he's he's major league ready or, or just about major league ready. He's already played in a playoff game in this case. Yep. Um, uh, I, I'm sorry, but I don't buy. A, you know, I, a four for what was it? Four for 33 spring or whatever. Like, that's a tiny sample size. Uh, he's ready, um, and there's precedent there's precedent with this front office as there is with basically every front office. They did this to Buxton in 2018. Mm-hmm. They didn't call him up in September. Uh, so they could get an extra year of control. They said he wasn't healthy, but he had been playing every day at AAA for like three weeks prior to September 1st. Buxton was pissed about that and I don't blame him at all. I would be pissed too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we know that this front office is willing to manipulate service time, uh, even though they deny it, you know um, it, it seems clear to me and to a lot of people that that's what that was with buxton i think that's the same situation with kirloff again people disagree with me that's fine but i think we'll see him before the saints ever play an official game on you know in early
1: may but the problem it was kirloff didn't make it tough like yeah but hit 250 buddy hit 250 hit 260 make it tough because i it becomes so but I, hell the cubs sent that kid down who had an unbelievable spring and everybody agreed that he, he was one of their best players, and it's the second time, along with Chris Bryant, that they've taken a player who had just a fine spring and said, yeah, but have you seen his fielding, or have you seen this or that? And the the guy that got fired by the M's, uh, the president, came out and basically admitted that. The one thing I will say is, Falvey's not a dumb guy. They have to know that, that in the CBA that's going to be negotiated this winter, and my guess is, to your point from before, we're not playing baseball Next spring, because of the fact that there's going to be a a lockout or strike, they have to know that's going to be stripped out. Now, Kirloff, they could try and grandfather guys into the rule. I don't know. But there is no way on God's green earth that the next time that we play baseball after 2021, Jake, that that rule is going to be alive because it's stupid and I don't know how did the players allow that like the players should have put their foot down and said no it's got to be a year it's got to I mean if you send a guy down there have to be repercussions that actually hurt the team and I think this is like a 15 day rule it's absolutely stupid in my opinion yeah but we don't
0: you're right it's going to be different but we don't know how it's going to be different i don't think they know how it's going to be different and they and and they don't know whether like you said it'll be he'll be grandfathered in um and so I think maybe from their viewpoint, they're saying, well, we'll do this and hope that with the new CBA, they still get that extra year. I mean, do you think it was service
1: time manipulation? I think it was a little bit of both. I I, I mean, he was so he was so bad that I that it's hard to dump on them for doing it. But that being said, if service time was not an issue, he stays. So, yes, I do. Um, the pro- The problem is what the Cubs did is egregious. Because what the Cubs did was they sent a player down who clearly was functioning very well and is prepared to play and showed it in spring training. Um, so I, I believe this, I believe one reason why there is not going to be a normal opening day in 2022 is because of stunts like this. And the Buxton thing was brutal. Like the Buxton thing right. was bad because Byron Buxton is, it was a key to your team at that time can't stay healthy, finally did, played in Rochester for, what, about a month before that, and they just said, go home. So that one – but, but I mean, that's, that's why we are in for a collision of some sort, and we should be. Um, the problem is, again, if he had hit 260, at least we could dump on the team. It becomes tougher since he didn't produce, really. Yeah, but that's
0: such a small sample size. I mean, he's four for 33 – You you know, you turn four of those outs into hits, and he's hitting two fifty. Basically, I mean, I just think if you're going to base decisions on that on twelve games in spring training, like this front office is way too smart to do that. And like, isn't Jake Cave hitting like one fifty in spring training? Yeah, but he's Jake. He's Jake Cave. Why not send him down? He is option. He has an option left.
1: The biggest tell to me is is this one. Nobody really won that job. Like, if they come out, my. If I was them, I would have come out and said, Brent Rooker is playing unbelievable. And he is our opening day left fielder, no question, bug off, right? They didn't say that. In twin speak that they're like, oh, it might be Arise. It might be Rooker. It might be Cave. It might be. So that's the tell to me. They don't have, they have nobody officially in that position. And they're not going to until Kirloff gets here. So there is certainly something to that.
0: But, but let me just ask you one more thing. If I came to you generic, Generic player, not, not with any specific team. Top consensus, top fifty overall prospect. Good enough, good enough team, good enough by the team to start a playoff game, right? Uh, and, and get sent down because he had a four for thirty three spring. Yeah, I mean, you would say that's service
1: time, right? I mean, you would say that's that's blatant service time manipulation. You yeah, I'm just saying it's hard. It's hard to debate them too much. That's why I wanted the kid to hit two sixty. Because then we could i want I want it crystal clear that we can dump on them for this, and it's tougher because of the fact that they can hide behind the fact that he didn't have a good spray so that's what, a long do you, thing.
0: what do you think they would have done if he had hit
1: three hundred with five bombs? I think they would have sent him down and then we could have dumped on him I want you i I want it so obvious that it's served up on a platter like a juicy fastball. that's what I wanted all right season per, season prediction, sir. What is your prediction, Twins record this year? Um, I
0: will go with eighty nine and seventy three, and second wild card spot. I think they're going to sneak into the playoffs. This feels like an eighty eight to ninety two win team to me. I think the White Sox are going to win the division, Um, but I think the Twins will get in as a wild card. I think they're a good team, and I think their ceiling is you know in the ninety five to one hundred range. But uh, I think there are question marks about the bullpen there's question marks about kepler and kirloff and all all these guys that we've been talking about uh, it doesn't feel like as sure a thing to me as last year it, and last year was so weird but like you felt so confident that they were either going to win the division or get in the playoffs even before expanded playoffs was announced mm-hmm. i don't have that same sense this year i think they're going to be battling for a wild card and we'll eventually get
1: it the white Sox have had some bad luck so far yes which to me so which to me starts and and here's My problem personally, I've been high on the White Sox for two years now. And and like the corner seems to be turned. And every time I get that confident about a team and and things start to go wrong, injuries, and also this little factoid. And this hit me last night as I sat down to do these uh, projections. You're relying on Lance Lynn. (laughs) Lance Lynn pitched for the Rangers last year, okay? The Rangers basically were off the map and Lance Lance strikes me as a guy in life who likes it when his team stinks because Lance's life becomes simpler Lance can go out to the steakhouse and eat hey you're Lance Lynn you won but your team stinks yeah I'm Lance Lynn kid I think the twins win the division and I think they win 96 games wow I am optimistic I am reversing course you know why because here's my thing I don't pick on the home teams I pick on the teams that I get too confident in and I'm convinced the White Sox, and, and plus this too, the Larusa thing. And we, yeah, we, that was. T- we've talked about this a lot on Mackie and Judd, and Dex has talked about this as well. The Larusa thing, it's a real stretch, and I could see it blow. I mean, Tim Anderson, who I, who I love, I, I love him, he's I great. So I'm not blaming him here. But do you really think that he's going to spend an entire year with an old, curmudgeonally Larusa and be like, Tony, I love playing. They're they're going to blow up there. Um, and so I think that I think that the Twins are going to take advantage. And look, you know what? The Rocco Baldelli Twins, I have no questions about this. They're a damn good regular season team. Mm. Now, if, if you want to talk about the playoffs, I'll sing a different tune there for you. But I think they're going to win 96 games. I think the White Sox are going to contend for a wild card. I don't know that they're going to make it. And and I've just become convinced in the past week or so that my confidence in Chicago was too high. And, and we have seen the Twins um, have success now for two years. And I do like the starting staff. I'm with you. Like, I think the starting pitching is good. Uh, I think that there are certain guys like Garver who are going to come back and rebound. And if the left side of that infield can stay healthy, it's going to help the pitching. If Donaldson can stay on the field, he could have a phenomenal year at the plate. Optimistic Judd is right, 96 and 66. Wow.
2: Wow. Dex, 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 what do you think? I'm I'm shocked. Uh, You saw my eyes get so wide. I I, I could not believe it. I thought you were going to say 86 wins. Um, 96 is a lot. Where I fall, I'm more bullish on the White Sox still. Um, Even with them losing Jimenez, I still think their lineup is better than the Twins, even without Eloy. I think it's a damn good lineup. I think where they'll push over the Twins is if guys like Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech come in and they're lights out and they hit their projected ceilings as prospects. Because those two dudes obviously have a ceiling that we haven't seen yet. And if they become basically... Because right now, I mean, they're competing as your fourth and fifth guys in in that rotation. But if they elevate their game, I mean, now Dallas Keuchel turns into a three or four and you have someone like Kopech or Cease who has finally morphed into who they are. That's still a big if for them. I kind of have the Twins at about 90 wins, White Sox at 91. I think it's going to be a, a one or two game difference in who wins that division. I'm leaning on White Sox still, but I, I think those two pitchers, because if those horses get going, then the, I think the White Sox will run away with it.
1: I, I, like, I don't disagree. I like that, but that's lots of ifs. And mm-hmm. again, I'm going to go back to the Larusa thing I think was a mistake. Oh, if, that was a huge if, mistake. If this was Hinch, if this was Hinch, I would pick the White Sox, I think.
0: The, I mean, the White Sox epitomize the, like, young, yeah. fun, you know, aggressive, like, flip the bat, like, that mentality that's kind of taking over baseball, which is awesome. And that's, I am so I love that. They epitomize that more than almost any team in the league, than maybe the Padres. Why would you sign Tony La
1: Russa? He's as old school as it gets. Their owner still loves him. Yeah, he he is trying to make up for firing Tony in what eighty seven or something. Seriously, that's why nobody with that franchise, aside from the guy who owns it, wanted this. And I think it's a massive mistake. Uh, Tony also is not changing. Like he's not. I you're not going to see. uh, I've you know had to come to Jesus with the analytics department. Tony, he's going to be himself. And I think it's going to blow up, and I think I really believe that that's going to cost them games. Um, and that's not even getting to the point where I really think he, he's going to have a, a difficult time identifying with his players. His players, Jake, you're exactly right, are really seem to be like a fun bunch of guys that get it. Um, and I do I do think this. I think the regular season twins with Rocco have proven to be a very set a steady club. Yeah, A very steady club. And in baseball, over 162 again, not 60, I think that becomes incredibly important to have that. Now, playoff-wise, I have no idea. But through through the regular season, I think the Twins are in pretty good shape, provided, of course, guys don't start to fall left and right. That includes your third baseman, your shortstop, center fielder.
0: It has a very... uh... Two thousand twelve, I think it was two thousand twelve Red Sox fired Bobby Valentine and lost like ninety mm-hmm. plus games. It, it, it feels like it could go in that direction where the entire
1: clubhouse turns on
0: the manager. So
1: it's a good start. All, concern all right. Bobby. Next up, team most valuable player for the Minnesota Twins. Um I'm
0: gonna have to, I'm gonna be optimistic. I'll I'll take a, a cue from Optimistic Judd and say Byron Buxton. Because I, I mean, it, you know, if he plays 130 games, he's basically a lock to be team MVP. Because when he plays, he's one of the best players in the game. So um, I'll say that you know he doesn't get unlucky uh, with you know getting hit in the head or getting hit, you know following a ball off his foot um, and, and manages to to play a, a full season or or most of the season and and produces at an incredibly high level, right? He's right in the middle of his prime right now, you know? So, so I'll say, I'll say Buxton. All right.
1: I'm going to say, if I'm going to go with 96 wins, then things are going to have to go incredibly right. And if things go incredibly right, Buxton's a good choice. I'm going with JD. So if the, if the twins are going to get to 96 wins, the calf problem can't be, I missed 30 games here. I missed 15 games here and now I'm out for 25 games. With the Braves in 2019, he played in 155 games. Donaldson had a slugging percentage of 521, 37 home runs, 94 runs driven in. So let's say the ball is deadened somewhat now. Okay, he hits 30 or he hits 27. Uh, The point being, though, he stays healthy. He plays fantastic defense. and, And Donaldson was signed to be that guy. So if I'm going to go with this team is going to reach its peak and win the division, Donaldson is going to have to consistently not only stay on the field, but be healthy, play a lot and play well. So going down the optimistic Judd path, I'm going Donaldson team MVP. Declan, who would your choice be for the twins MVP?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm also with you. I go JD. Um, I think I know he's still up there in age and the calf problems are concerning, but when he is playing healthy every day and he's been there and done that before his swagger, I think too, is also very important. And the way he carries himself for a, for a team that's usually been mostly pretty quiet. And I think that's, what's so interesting to me is like Rocco and, and this philosophy of like, we don't let anything leave the room. We talk in circles. We don't ever give you the answer we want. And Justin or uh, just Josh Donaldson is basically like, yeah, I bleep and suck today. Like, I, I love that. He just, he's very candid. Um, and the way he even just talks about hitting and all this stuff and his, his approach off the field, I think that's important. But when he is healthy, I mean, he's been arguably a top-five player in baseball. It's just, yes, those calf problems are concerning, but I think at the end of the day, he makes the biggest difference in the terms of winning an MVP.
1: Best pitcher, Jake DePew, you start. I'm going to have to go my Ada.
0: What I saw last year was unbelievably impressive. He's finally got, you know, a firm rotation spot. He never had that in L.A. He was always sort of kind of a tweener. Um, I I, I think he's figured some things out. I think he's comfortable in Minnesota. Um, And I I know it was a small sample size last year, but, man, he looks so good. And I just – to me, there's not a better pitcher on the staff, so I'll I'll, I'll go Maeda.
2: Jax? I'll go out a little bit out of left field here. Um, and I'm going to say that I, I kind of like, I, I, I was digging what Jake was saying about Taylor Rogers. And I think Taylor Rogers really bounces back and becomes that fireman he was in 2019. Yeah. Last year, he just, there was unlucky situations. I think he swings back in and becomes basically, I mean, how, how they morph those three dudes in, in Duffy and Taylor Rogers and column I think that's, those are going to be, their three firefighters, but how they use them situationally is going to be interesting how it plays out. But I think Taylor Rogers is going to be the best of those bunch and therefore uh, all these relievers like the Josh haters of the world th- there's no longer like the cl- the closer is dying in baseball it's a lot yeah. of the many things that's dying in baseball but it is going away and and i think that <laughs> the, taylor
1: the game is dying the game
2: is, the dying, game too, is dying we
1: we won't talk about but that we on this show. no
2: saves no saves uh, but but uh, but i think the way they're going to use rodgers is going to be in extreme high leverage situations and maybe in areas too where he he yeah. maybe starts with a runner on first or second or or with one out in inning and he might still come back out there for the 7th or 8th so i'm going to go to taylor rodgers
1: I so badly, so badly for, like, the third consecutive year want to say Jose Barrios. Like, it, it's on the tip of my tongue because for how long – because, I mean, when that guy is on, he has lights out. He's unbelievable. He looks – he's so good. And then you always go through, what, that spurt in September? Is that right? Uh, like, is it August? August. Yeah, August, I think. August 1st hits, and it's like, what happened? Uh, Jake's right. Maeda. He – The thing I like about, I loved about him in the, I believe it was 11 starts that he made last year, was the poise. Mm -hmm. Like, the poise is real. I mean, that's not a small sample size conversation. That's just who he he is. And I feel like his heart is just like, his heartbeat is just even the entire time. And I love that. Um, With real, things get to him. With Maeda, they don't seem to, and I don't think that that's going to change if he makes 11 starts or 25 starts or something. So, anyway, uh, I think Jake's right. And I do think that if Maeda can pitch over the course of a full season like he did last year, it helps Brios a lot, which is a great thing. So, I'm with you, Jake. Kenta Maeda. All right, last thing, breakout player, Jake DePew.
0: Well, I hope it's Alex Kirilov. I hope he gets the chance. I think he will uh, in late April. Um, so I, I'm going to go Kirilov because I think he's he's the real deal, man. I, that, he, he, that swing is looks really good. Uh, I know, like you can't get a smaller sample size than one game, but like that playoff game, like that was impressive to me because he didn't seem flustered in the least. Like he got a hit, he he hit another ball hard. He made a diving catch. Um, he it seems like he's a guy that just eats, sleeps, and breathes baseball. Uh, he's he's super talented. He's rising up the prospect rankings. I, I just think he's going to have a big year once he finally proves to uh, the organization that he has what it takes to <laughs> crack, crack the Major League roster.
1: He'll be great in St. Paul. Declan? Yeah, Kirloff's
2: a good one. I'm actually going to go with Brent Rooker. I think the bat's ready to play here, and I'm curious how much he plays just because we don't really know – When he's going to be able to start, is he starting every day in left field? Do they want other people rotating in? That was like, I know, and I'm not trying to say this point that it would have been better off without Nelson Cruz, but if you don't have Nelson Cruz, it does give you more options at the DH position and at a corner spot. That being said, what Nelson Cruz brings to the team obviously is more than being able to platoon guys on first or DH or left field, but it does make things harder to get guys like Rooker and Kirloff at the time but I think that bat is legit. He's ready. He can't go down to the minors and really learn anything else at this point. I think that bat's ready to go and he's going to hit a
1: lot of bombas. Play some first base, possibly? Maybe. For, Maybe. For the current guy? I wouldn't mind it. Sanoa is a big, to me, that's a big one. I have no clue. I have no clue what to expect there. And uh, at some point in time, I got to think that it's going to start to show with if the strikeouts continue at the momentous rate that they're going at right now, that these guys are going to, like, Just show us how they feel by playing time. Uh, I'm going to throw you guys a curveball. Breakout player is an established player for me at a new position, and I think he's going to thrive. Jorge Polanco. I think Polanco going to second base is absolutely positively ideal. I, I think Polanco did the best that he could at shortstop. But, folks, let's be serious here. Two years ago, they basically said, you know what? If you're more comfortable throwing sidearm, that's cool with us. Like, to Jake's point from before, we're going to get a steady dose of a gold glove shortstop, and I can't tell you how many times our mouths are going to be agape because we became used to Polanco trying hard, right? Like, we're now going to see a shortstop make play after play after play and make decisions that will be right constantly, um, it's going to be a tutorial on how the position should be, be played. And Polanco tried, but he wasn't that guy. I think the move to second is going to suit him well. I, I think, as far as I know, he's going to come back healthy after what the ankle problem last year. I think Polanco is going to break out compared to last year, based on on health and comfort.
0: I like that choice. And you know what I love about Polanco, even last year when he was. Had the ankle issue, he's one of the few guys in that lineup that you can pencil in every single day. He never complains; like he's just he's low maintenance, and that's why I thought he was a team MVP in 2019. He played like 155 games or something. Um, he just plays every day, and he plays hard, and he and he's got the bat. And now that he's like you said, at a at a position that suits him more, I think that's a really good choice. I could see him having a big year.
1: Thank you, sir. Great stuff. Talking Twins. We'll we will do this on a daily basis on Mackie and Judd, which obviously you can find at all of the good places you find podcasts. And uh, Jake DePew and I and Declan will do Talking Twins, an extended version once a week on Mondays. We'll talk to you soon.